Amen. Thank you, Stan, for leading us in that beautiful song. That's one of those songs now that you're going to be you're going to be a humming that all week long. You're going to tomorrow afternoon sometime you're going to realize you're you're singing that in your mind again. And that's a good thing. And that's scripture actually because we're going to run into that statement right here in the passage we look at tonight. In Psalm 119, we're continuing to make our way through this great psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible. And tonight we're going to look at chapter 119, verses 113 to 128. And these two of the stanzas, uh, corresponding to two of the 22 Hebrew alphabet letters... Uh, seems to have this theme together, choosing the way of the Lord. That's what this young psalmist has made the decision to do. In other words, it's not just a matter of knowing God's Word and believing the truth of God's Word. That's very important. That's foundational. If you don't believe the Bible is God's Word and you don't listen to what it has to say, then you're certainly not going to get the rest of the things right in terms of the way you live your life. But it's not enough just to hear the truth. It has to be put into practice. And so here the psalmist is talking about choosing, making a deliberate choice of the will. And there's so much that is simply, it's a choice. It's a decision that we have to make. Now, that's been lost in our society today to a, lot, to a large degree. The idea that people really can choose what they're going to do with their life. Uh, a lot of people think everything is just determined by where you were born and how you grew up and all of these other factors. And there's no denying there's great, there's great power, great influence to factors that we're born into. But we could stand here all night and give you examples of people who were born into terrible situations, horrible circumstances, and yet they made choices in their life that were totally opposite what they grew up in or what they were born into. And that ought to tell us that we can make choices that are different than the world would influence us to be. And the psalmist here is saying we must choose the way of the Lord. And we can choose the way of the Lord. This psalmist had no desire to be uh, buddies with the system of this world, nor to find a place in it. But he had made his choice that he wanted to live a separated life, separated unto God, to do what God wanted him to do. And we see that uh, in a number of ways here in these verses. The first thing to note in several of the verses, verse 113, verse 115, and the last part of verse 128, the way of the Lord rejects the ways of the world. And so uh, a fundamental choice we have to make is the same choice that Joshua made. Choose this day whom you will serve. Are you on the Lord's side or are you not? And so we have to choose the way of the Lord instead of the ways of the world. The world offers many pathways, but there's only one way of the Lord. And we know that that is through Jesus Christ. 
and giving our life to him and following him. Here in this psalm, in verse 113, uh, we find the psalmist saying, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Double-minded here has the idea of trying to be in two camps, trying to straddle the fence, as it were, and being controlled by two different ideas or thoughts at the same time. That's what the psalmist said. I hate that. And we know that God hates that. He does not want us to be divided in our mind. He wants us to be utterly, completely surrendered to him. He says, I love your law. And so if we love the truth of God's word, then we must embrace it and the way that it sets before us. And instead of embracing the ways of this world. He rejects the way the world lives. Look at the last part of verse 28. I hate every false way. Now, we don't generally use the word hate too much, do we? Uh, it's, it's a pretty harsh word. But yet we find the psalmist using that word very explicitly. I hate. I hate the double-minded. And now I hate every false way. And then in verse 115... Depart from me, you evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. So it's as if the psalmist is standing up to people in the world who are trying to draw him away from God, away from the truth of God, and into a different pathway. And the psalmist finally just stands up and says, Depart from me, you evildoers. It kind of makes you think of Jesus saying, get thee behind me, Satan, right? Or Paul's admonition, flee from the devil. Depart from me, you evildoers. And then the declaration, for I will keep the commandments of my God. So it's a choosing, a decision. And that's what we must be willing to do, to make a choice. To say that I'm going to stand with the Lord. I'm going to follow His teaching. I'm going to follow His way. And the truth is, if we don't make that choice, the choice will be made for us. Because we're going to be following some ideology that is contrary to the teaching of Scripture. And really, anything other than the way of the Lord is a false way. And so, uh, people who say, you know, well, I'm just not going to choose. I'm just going to be neutral about the whole thing. I'm not against God or the belief in God. I'm not against the Bible. But it's just not for me. I'm just going to be neutral in the whole thing. Well, you can't be neutral. You can't be neutral. Either you are choosing the way of the Lord or by not choosing the way of the Lord, you're choosing the way of the world. One of the many ways of the world. And one of those ways is to say, I'm just going to be neutral. Well, you can't be neutral. You have made a choice. To say, I'm not going to stand with God and His Word. I'm not going to give my life to Jesus Christ and trust Him. So, you don't have the luxury of being neutral. There is no such thing as neutrality. You must choose. And hopefully, you have chosen. You're here on a Sunday night. You've probably chosen the way of the Lord. 
or at least you want to choose the way of the Lord, you wouldn't be here. And that's a good thing. Choose the way of the Lord. Robert Sanderson said about depart from me, you evildoers. It was as if he had said, talk no more. Save your breath. I am resolved. We sing that hymn sometimes, don't we? I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. And there are multiple verses that start with, I am resolved. I am resolved. We must be resolved that we're going to choose God's way. He goes on. The psalmist is saying, I have sworn and am steadfastly purposed to keep the commandments of my God. And with God's help, there will I hold me. And all the world shall not wrest me from it. And so that is the conviction and the choice that God would have us to make. And then secondly, the way of the Lord is a way of obedience. It's a way of obedience. Verses 116 and 117, the psalmist writes, Uphold me according to your word that I may live, and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Hold me up, and I shall be safe, and I shall observe your statutes continually. He's, he's praying for strength. He's asking for help to be obedient. Uphold me, he's asking the Lord, according to your word that I may live. So he is staking his life on the Lord and on the way of the Lord. And he's asking for God's help to hold him up and to help him. You know, the truth is we can't choose the Lord and be submitted to him and follow him without his help. It's not something that we can do all by ourselves. He has to save us. He has to forgive us of our sin. And then he has to empower us. But the thing is, he does that. He places his Holy Spirit within you the moment you accept Christ. He will uphold you. He will help you as you seek to walk the way that he has for your life and to be a strong witness for him. And then in verse 124, deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me your statutes. He's asking for God's mercy and God's help. And we must have his mercy. Without his mercy, there is no hope for us. But God will give us his mercy. And in verses 113 and 114, he commits to obey. The last part of verse 113 that we read. But I love, he says, your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. You are my hiding place. We just sang that song. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. What does it mean that he has said that the Lord is his hiding place? Well, think about the qualifications of the Lord Jesus to be your hiding place. He has strength. A hiding place has to be a pretty strong place. You don't find hiding places that are made out of paper. Uh, they're going to be something that's pretty strong. Houses that are, that are made strong and are able to withstand whatever comes your way. Jesus is a place of strength. He is called the rock of ages. 
and he is, his name is Almighty. He is Emmanuel, God with us. But he is God himself who took on human flesh. And so he is strong enough to be your hiding place. He also has the height, as one writer said, to be your hiding place. Jesus Christ is a high place. He is as high as heaven. He is Jacob's ladder that reaches from earth to heaven. He is too high for men, too high for devils. No creature can scale these high walls. Ralph Robinson made that statement. So he is, he is high. He is strong. He is secret. A hiding place has to be secret. The more secret it is, the safer it is. You can go directly to the Lord Jesus Christ wherever you are, whatever situation you're in. In fact, he tells us to come to him, right? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, he says, Therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace. You can enter into the very throne room of God through Jesus Christ at any moment. You don't need to go through anybody else. You don't need to go through me. You don't need a priest. You don't need anybody to get to God. You go directly to him, to the secret place, to the most holy place. Just you and him. Anytime, anywhere. He is your hiding place. And Hebrews 4.16 promises that when you go to him, he will provide the strength, the mercy, the help that you need. Just in the nick of time, he'll provide what you need. And then he is faithful. He is faithful. Christ is faithful. He that will uh, hide others, as Robinson said, needs to be very, very faithful. Someone you can trust. Some of you have read uh, the, about the life of Corrie ten Boom. Her family hid Jews. She was a Christian. Her family, they were Christians. But they hid Jews in Holland as the Nazis took over. And eventually, the hiding place they provided was ratted out by some people. And... She and her whole family were arrested, taken away to concentration camps. But she was faithful. Her family, they were faithful. They were faithful unto death. All but Corey died in the camps. But you see, the Lord Jesus is faithful like that, but he's not going to be overcome by any evil in this world. You can trust him to be an eternal hiding place that nobody is going to be able to take away from you. He is faithful and he is, he is uh, diligent. He keeps on being your hiding place. He's not going to stop tomorrow. So if you're looking for a place where you can always go to, always run to for help, Jesus is the place. He's the person. He is our hiding place. And you can always trust him to be there for you and to help you. I hope, the psalmist said, in your word. How do we know Jesus? How do we know what Jesus said? 
How do we know what Jesus says life is about? Through his word. And so the combination of his word and knowing Christ in a personal way, that is what it means for you to choose the way of the Lord. And then in verse 115, that declaration again, I will keep the commandments of my God. It was a choice that he was going to go the way of the Lord. And then a third thing, the way of the Lord fears the Lord. If you choose the way of the Lord, you have, as we talked about this morning, you have reverence for God. You fear him, not in the sense that you think he's going to do evil. He will never do evil. But you recognize he is God, and therefore you have a holy respect and reverence, a fear for the Lord because he is almighty God. And the psalmist talks about fearing the judgment that would come upon the world. Look at verse 118. You reject all those who stray from your statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. You put away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. Now, some people think that's such a foreign thing to think about God. We talk so much about God's love. And God is a God of perfect love. But the only way he can be a God of perfect love is to be perfectly righteous and holy. And that's what drove Jesus to come to pay for our sin. Because he knew without his help, we could never be forgiven and made right with God. He is perfectly holy and righteous. And so we should have a healthy fear of God because God is beyond us. God is above us. God is almighty. And he is the holy and righteous judge. And the psalmist, though he loves God, and he's trusting in God. He says, you are my hiding place. He also says, I am afraid of you. Well, didn't you feel that way about your parents? I did. I had wonderful parents. And I thank God for them. Literally, I thank God for them every day. They weren't perfect. Nobody's perfect. But... I had, an, I had a sense of fear of them because if I didn't do what they asked me to do, it was going to be bad. I can still remember being in church, in a church pew. I couldn't have been more than four or five years old. And, you know, I was uh, fidgety and too, too noisy. And my mother would look over at me and she'd say, when you get home, you're going to get a spanking. And I would spend every minute between there and home trying to convince her that I shouldn't be spanked. But you know what? Every time she said that, I was spanked. I got a spanking. Because she loved me enough that she wasn't going to let me not have a respect for God. And so I learned respect for God from that, from them. And that's just a small example. That, that's just parents dealing with a small child. 
we must have a healthy respect for God. Don't ever lose that. And that will keep us many times from doing things that we shouldn't do. Just like you didn't want to disappoint your parents. You may have thought about doing some things that you never did. But there in your mind was, well, if I do that, what's it going to do to them? What are they going to think? What are they going to say? And that kept you on the right path. That ought to be times a thousand, times a million with God. Is God going to know what we do if we do it? Of course he will. Do we want him to see us doing some of the things we are thinking about doing or saying? That can keep us on the path that God would have us to follow. And I think that's why the psalmist is saying, my flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. We need to have that kind of respect for God. And it will help us to make the right choices. And the way of the Lord depends on the Lord. Verses 121 to 123. I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Be surety for your servant for good. Do not let the proud oppress me. My eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. The psalmist is is just pleading with God. He is saying, God, I have staked everything on you. I have made this choice, and I am trusting you. He uses the word there, surety. Be my guarantee. Come through for me, God. He was depending on God. And that's what keeps some people from ever stepping out and giving their life to Jesus Christ and choosing the way of the Lord because they're thinking, if I do that, what's going to happen to me? What are they going to think, the people I work with, the people who've known me my whole life? What are they going to do? How am I going to make my way in this world? If I choose this pathway, my life is going to change. Yeah, it will. And that is the problem for some. They at least are honest enough to know that if they choose the Lord, things are going to change. And they don't want it to change. Now, the, the truth is, they don't understand how wonderful the change is going to be, do they? They, don't, they aren't grasping the, the great love and forgiveness and grace of God and the fact that you are set free. Set free from the things that would bind you. But it's that choice that gets in the way and is difficult for some people. We must trust the Lord and depend upon him. And that's why it's called faith, right? You step out on faith and you trust that God is going to come through the way he promises. And the Christian life is a way of faith. As surely as you walked in here tonight and sat down on the pew and you never thought about whether it was going to hold you up, you, you trusted it. It was going to sustain you. It was going to keep you from hitting the floor. You have to put your life in God's hands through Jesus Christ, and you have to depend upon him. And if God doesn't come through, then 
there's no hope. Well, there's no hope anyway. If Jesus is not real, and if God is not who he claims to be, there's a, it's a meaningless existence anyhow. And that's the way a lot of people are living. But you know what? It isn't a meaningless existence. And God will come through. And the Christian life is a life of depending upon him. And so I hope in your life that you'll do what this psalmist is saying that he was going to do. Choose the way of the Lord. Depend upon him. Trust him. And God will come through. Will you pray with me? We thank you, Lord, for this psalm. There's so much here that we, we only scratch the surface as we look at it each Sunday night. But help us to take away from this, Lord, your faithfulness. And when we trust your word and stake our lives upon it, that you will be faithful and true. Lord, as we come to this time now of observing the Lord's Supper, we pray that you will use this to strengthen our hearts and may it be a great proclamation of your love and grace for each of us and for all the world. And we pray that your will would be done now in these moments. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.